want to go into the 16th chapter of Mark. And this is the chapter that teaches us as his children about the great resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of the writers saw the resurrection from just a little different perspective. The way they saw it, the way they opened it, revealed tremendous truth and tremendous power. And Mark also, as he, he writes what he beholds here, we will see tremendous power. We will refer off of this to a couple other passages, but primarily we want to stay tonight in the book of Mark as we consider and celebrate with each of you the great resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the Word of God in, in Mark chapter 16 begins, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And here we find the mother of Jesus. We find this woman through which had been redeemed by God's grace. Mary Magdalene, seven devils had been cast out of her. And here they come running to the tomb. And there was this other wonderful woman named Salome. And Salome was the mother of James and John, the wife of Zebedee. Her name, her, the definition of this woman's name is peaceful. And here was this woman right with the other two women going right to the grave. And you know, it is a great tribute, I believe, to godly women who are seeking God with a passion in which they're there. They're right where Jesus is. And here as we behold this tonight, we see them coming to this grave and they have a purpose that they would come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they come to the tomb where the sun had risen. And they're there very early in the morning. The word says it's on the first day of the week. They're at the tomb. The sun has risen. And they were saying one to another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? You know, the resurrection declares many truths. But one of the great truths of the resurrection is it declares that a stone is rolled away. A stone gets rolled away. And here, when these dear women come to that place, they witness something that man cannot do. Dead men do not come out of graves. Something has happened that is supernatural at the place where our Savior was buried. And the Word of God here says, they said, who will roll the stone away for us to enter, enter? But looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Notice that with me, that the stone being rolled away was larger than would have been possible for men to accomplish the feat. As we think about this, God was moving supernaturally through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in so many ways. And this is one. He is just revealing that this stone is rolled away. And entering the tomb, these dear three women, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now, I believe as we look at the context of the other Gospels, we'll notice that this young man 
is an angel, but they're looking, saying, this is amazing. He's sitting there. They were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they have laid him. And here came this resurrection message that the children of God have claimed throughout the ages, that have taken them through trial and testing and hardship and struggle, persecution, martyrdom, that the Lord Jesus Christ has risen. The stone has been rolled away. Have you ever noticed that as we open our eyes to believe and we embrace this great truth of the resurrection, when we look back, we witness something. The stone was rolled away from our eyes. God opens the door to see in the tomb. For a long time, many people live a religious life and never see the empty tomb. Many people perform many good actions and works, but they miss the power through which Jesus rolls away the stone and does amazing things. And here it is as we enter this tonight, we see this and the stone is rolled away. The man meets them. He says, he's wearing a white robe. They're amazed. And once again, we talk about the wow. And here these women are amazed and he knew why they were here. They were looking for Jesus of Nazarene who had been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. But here, behold, here is the place they have laid them. Now the, the, the message of the resurrection will just ring through the word of God. Churches were planted. Churches grew. Believers came. Because when the message went out, with that message was a message of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul, you will find that often in his teachings, his writings. He will be teaching about the Lord, about the Christian life, and then he will just linger on the resurrection, speaking of a power greater than any man or woman to accomplish. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I want you to notice with me down through verse seven on the screen, for I delivered to you, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, as of first importance, what I also re re received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he, then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. This was the message of the apostles. It's really been the message, the power of every church is when the resurrection is being taught. When the resurrection is left out, when the Lord Jesus is left out of the message, there will be a lot of good points. There will be a lot, of, a lot of concepts we can understand, but the power we find is in Jesus rising from the tomb. 
I was walking in the door and I spoke to a brother and we were just talking back in the back and I said, wouldn't this be a wonderful place just to get stuck in the rut of spending the rest of your life just studying and just thinking about Jesus dying and rising again, just ever living to make intercession for us. Verse, if, if, verse six, notice with me, he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He is somewhere else. Behold, here is the place where they have laid, laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Let's get that for a moment because the word of God is so amazingly powerful. He says, go tell his disciples. But when you tell the disciples, don't forget Peter. You remember the guy that had betrayed him? You remember the guy that was, was there that said, I don't know the man? And here our Lord Jesus says, when you go back, don't forget Peter. I want Peter to get this message. I want him to know there's hope. Because possibly, is it, is it possible at this time, Peter could be at that point, is there hope for me? Go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Notice the dynamics within the human heart. Trembling, astonishment, and fear. They, have they saw something that was humanly impossible. They recognized that no one else could roll away the stone. No one else could do what they had just witnessed, and here it was that they left trembling in fear. You know, Jesus wasn't where they were looking for him at. Jesus was somewhere else. Have you ever noticed when you linger in the Christian life and you live the Christian life, you seek Jesus and you find him, but often you find him at a different place. You'll find him in the desert. You'll find him in the wilderness. You'll find him in a hospital bed. You'll find him in a place that you are at the end of yourself. And here, these dear women had came to find Jesus. He wasn't here, but he was somewhere else. And I love that because it shows the passionate pursuit of these dear women to find the Lord Jesus. And he would be found, but he wouldn't be found where they're looking. Jesus is ahead of us. He is around us. But the place that we discover him often in a resurrection way is at a place we did not expect. And after he... Now, after he had risen early... Early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene with whom he had cast out 
seven demons. Notice where Jesus first went. And I love this when we see this within the heart of Jesus. Jesus was always seeking the losers. Really, when people become Christians, when, when we find him, we recognize we're one of them also. Where we were trying to find him was not where Jesus was, and he shows us a place in which really, Lord, I needed you much more than I thought I did. But as, as we look at this together, he comes to this dear woman through whom he had cast out seven demons, and she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. She is found by Jesus, and she goes to report to others the message. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, notice, here comes the report, they refused to believe it. They said no. Now notice something that's so amazing about the tomb is all of this is so amazing that's happening at an empty tomb with a rolled away stone where Jesus isn't there. And he has risen from the dead. But with this, you see something else that is one of the great tools of the enemy. And that is the enemy of unbelief. And it is also combined with fear. Often they walk hand in hand, just like a glove. Unbelief and fear. Fear and unbelief. They just come in a lot of different ways. And this is how it was with the disciples. And this is what I love about the word of God in many ways, is you can touch them. You can feel them. You can understand where they're at. You can see their struggle. And then you can say, that's me too, Lord. And here we, we find the fear and all of the astonishment and the trembling and them being very afraid. And I don't know how many of you here would just raise your hand and say, I'm a person of fear. I would probably say, I probably wouldn't be a person that does that. We go to these, we went to a lot of weird countries and weird places. And I don't know if we've ever had fear. We always knew God was there. Always knew it. But you know, there is a place of fear in every human heart. And I'll just tell you a little uh, experience this afternoon. I was studying and I walked outside and this is the first time since we've lived in Arizona or owned anything in Arizona. I looked out there in my backyard and there was a snake. <laughs> and he wasn't a very big one. He was just a little guy, but he was right there. And I got a rock, and I missed him. <laughs> and I got another rock, and I missed him again. And I was on the phone to a brother, and he says, get, get, a, get, a, get your uh, pistol. And I says, well, I only have one, and it's back there. So I got a square point shovel, and I finally got him. And you know, I was right in the middle of studying, and I noticed something. There was just a little bit of the tremble wasn't time to study yet. Just had been in the direct confrontation with this guy, first time in my backyard. Fear is actually somewhat normal 
in the human heart. It comes in a lot of different ways, and, and that lesson we, we give you there is a lesson, but we notice here the women have been overwhelmed, and the disciples are questioning. People are saying, it can't be. And really, if you look throughout the Word of God, wherever the Word of God is going out, and you look in the course of human history, and God is doing mighty things every single time, there is this companion of fear that's surrounding the work. And the beauty of the resurrection is it has, it is there to cast out fear. But the word of God here says they refused to believe it. They just locked up. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them when they were walking on the way to the country. And they went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Notice how far it was going. You know, fear is like a monster. Unbelief is like a monster. It just keeps on growing. It gets handed off, and it keeps on going, and it goes from one heart to the other. And here it was, we're not going to believe this either. It's too much. You know what's interesting to me is just recently, some of you might be here tonight, when we were in Israel, we stood at Caesarea by the sea that is right, right there looking out at the ocean. It's a beautiful amphitheater that's looking out. And there it was that the Apostle Paul would have given his defense before at least Felix and Festus and probably Agrippa. And there it was that he spoke of righteousness and temperance and judgment. And the Word of God even says at that time, Felix even trembled. And he kept speaking to Agrippa, but one of the things that Paul said as he was speaking this gospel message, and I love this because as you follow it in the word of God, it just keeps moving everywhere through the Bible. In Acts 28 and 6, why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? He's saying, King Agrippa, I'm before the greatest in the land. But why would you think that's incredible that God would raise the dead? He's going to the resurrection. He's teaching the power of the resurrection. He might be able to say, Agrippa, look out. Along the sea, you'll see these little caterpillars crawling around, and it won't be long until they turn into butterflies. God raises from the dead. God renews, restores life. You know, I love this here. I, one of the things I love about the Sonoran Desert is this time of year when you go outside and you look and here's all these beautiful flowers that pop out of plants that you almost knew, didn't even know existed during the wintertime and they're just shouting, God raises from the dead. God does it. He does it in so many ways. And Paul took the time before the greatest ruler he would ever face to say, why would you ever think this is incredible, Felix? I mean, Agrippa, that one would be raised no dread. Agrippa came to that place in which he said, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. You almost got me, Paul. But I made it. But the power of the resurrection is greater than any human heart. And it just keeps speaking. You know, when many of you here are in places in which you're ministering and the door just doesn't quite open, maybe to children, grandchildren, neighbors, maybe mentors, people you're discipling, keep coming back with the resurrection because the resurrection opens the door. The resurrection raises from the dead. 
the resurrection will speak life. And Paul, to the, in the greatest audience he ever had on the face of the earth, looking out over that beautiful sea, was willing to say, there's a resurrection. And I want you to know that. It is amazing, though, how, how often the ups, in the ups and downs of life and the flows of life that our life is kind of like a roller coaster. Today, we're just shouting praises, and tomorrow we're going down on the dip, and then we, we're kind of getting on a little plateau, and then we get a phone call, or we see an email, and we're down here again, and we're back up. And this is how these men and women had been for quite a while. They'd followed Jesus. He was gone. They followed Jesus. He's dead. And now he's risen from the dead. And here comes this glorious and they, this wonderful message. But the word of God says they refused to believe it. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them when they were walking along their way to the country, and they went away, reported to the others, but they didn't believe them either. Oh, I think it's so interesting how the human heart can be like a, a wall, that just, just like an impenetrable wall for so long. Some of you have family and friends there. I'm just not going to believe. I will not believe this message, but the message keeps coming. And I want to encourage us, don't give up in sharing that message. It moves stones. It changes lives. It works in so many different ways. There was a, there, there's, a, there's a story, we find this in John chapter 20, in verses 24 through 25, when there was this man named Thomas. And remember Thomas, Thomas was the doubting one. And Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. I'm guessing he's one's not going to believe. He fits in the category. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. But Jesus keeps coming, John chapter 20, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, peace be unto you. Remember the definition of Salome, peace, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach out your hand and put it in my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet have believed. That's really who we are tonight. As we look at this, we weren't there at that time. But somewhere, faith came in your heart when you saw a stone rolled away and you saw an empty tomb and you may have been like me seeking Jesus in the wrong places and you found him. And as we keep going here, we see this beautiful message of our Lord Jesus. 
Jesus and how he takes this truth and there's, there's still a resistance. They're still not believing either. The door is closed. And afterward, verse 14, he appeared to the 11 themselves as, as they were reclining at the table. You know, I am so thankful for the afterwards of the Bible, the afterwards of Jesus. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Notice how Jesus entered in, though. He entered in with reproach. He called out the hard heart. And he, then he said something. In lieu of this, Jesus looked at these people who were going to literally turn the world upside down with the greatest message the world would ever hear or ever see at any time in the course of human history, when they would go in all the regions of Macedonia and Asia Minor, declaring the gospel throughout Asia. And he looked to these people who had stood and resisted and said no and feared and trembled. And he says, now here's what I'm going to do for you. He says, you're going to be the ones who go. Notice this, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You've stumbled, you've failed, you've doubted, you've wondered. You've had that down day, up day. You've said, I can't believe. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to take that message to all creation he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the Lord Jesus simply saying, I'm going to ask you to go and you're going to do things that you can't even imagine because I rose again and I've given you my Holy Spirit. You're not qualified. You're not worthy. You were one of the doubters. But now I'm giving you the greatest commission that I'll ever give anyone on the face of the earth. Now you go. Take the message. Share the greatest message the world has ever, ever heard, wherever I ask you to go. You see, you can't walk in these doors tonight and hear the word again without walking out a more responsible person. You know, I love it when we see different ones. Peter was an example in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. I believe I might have mentioned this in the, in the prayer. And there was Peter the stumbler, remember Jesus remembered Peter. Go back and tell the disciples, don't forget Peter. He failed. Peter, there's room for you. Come to the empty tomb. Get the strength you need. Go on and share the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And Peter shared that message throughout his ministry, but by pen. You know, one of the exciting things to really do in the Bible is study First and Second Peter when you watch and witness a man growing more and more and more in his faith who has stumbled and bumbled and failed. 
made many mistakes, and there he is, standing in the presence of God, writing, and here's what he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an, obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. This is the one who had denied his Lord this is the one when Jesus said, go and tell Peter. But now this is the one saying, I'm going to talk and teach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I will share it wherever I go. I will never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus and his power and what we'll do. And where I go, that message will accompany my work. And as I look at this, notice what Jesus does. He says, I have given you the message you have seen the witnesses. Now take the message and go. But you can never go until you have first came and received the message. If we do not receive the message, we have no message to take. We can take some religious creed. We could take a philosophy of life. But without receiving the message... We have no message. And the word of God teaches this so, so frequently throughout that when you receive, then you go. There is someone in this room tonight that is not received. You may have been going to church your entire life. You may have lived a really good outward Christian life, but you have not yet received the message. And tonight, this message is for you to receive. What God is saying is, I want the stone that has been rolled away from the tomb to be rolled away from your heart that just keeps saying no. You see, really, all, really what God is asking for is that we'll just say yes to him. We get it pretty complicated. All he wants is that we just say yes. He'll do the rest of the work. He'll bring his spirit within us. We'll see the empty tomb. We'll see where to go. We'll so see how to go. And he'll even give us the words as we go, but he wants us to say yes. Lord, I'll go. And I want us to notice as we notice where they, they would go. You know, we think of the we think of saying yes to God and going to the world and preaching the gospel to all creation. He who, he who has believed and been, has been baptized shall be saved, and he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. One more thing to remember, it's next weekend. We are going to have water baptism here. And if there is anyone in this room, someone here may have believed, but you've not been baptized. Baptism is a wonderful opportunity to publicly declare the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow him and for the whole world to know that you're a Christian. Jesus says this though. He says, this is what's gonna happen. They'll be saved and he who has disbelief shall be condemned. 
And here comes the signs. And I believe God can use anything he wants through his children of signs when he wants to. God is a providing God in every way. He will take you where he sends you and give you what you need to be what he wants you to be, that the stone will roll away from the heart of someone else. You see, oftentimes when they just witness the resurrected life within us, they begin to see that the stone has been rolled away. Oftentimes the resurrected life witnessed and lived of grace and truth and righteousness and love and forgiveness and kindness and meekness and patience and temperance just starts rolling away stones from hearts and walls that are put up are broken down just because someone cared enough to share Jesus and live the life of a Christian. Some of you here might say, I don't have the, I don't have the gift to share the gospel like maybe one of the pastors or some of my friends do. But when you're living the Christian life and you are speaking of Jesus and praising his name and you're being thankful to him, you're witnessing. You are going. When you're on the job and you're doing everything heartily to the Lord and you're doing it not into men and you're there to bless and not hinder and you want to help and not hurt, you are going you are going where God's got you, where he wants to send you. And God here is saying, church, to you, as you've partaken of the message, I ask you through the Holy Spirit, take what you've heard and take it out of here and go where he sends you and be what he wants you to be. And someone is going to see an empty tomb. And someone is going to see a resurrected Lord and a wall's going to break down because someone here said yes to God. Lord, I'll go. But notice where you go. It isn't where it's just easy. You pick up serpents. You go through harmful things. When you say yes to God, you know the next part of saying yes to God? You're going to be tested and tried and buffeted. You're going to be pressed out of measure to despairing even of life because this is what saying yes to God is. And this is what happened with the disciples. They heard this, they'd failed, they messed up, but they took the resurrection message with them and it rang throughout the world around them. And they went to prison and they died for their faith. And yet they glorified God because thousands upon thousands upon thousands heard the word of God because just a few men and women said yes to God. God doesn't need a lot of people. He just needs an open heart. And so notice this, what, what in verse 19 and 20, we want to leave with you tonight. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. You see what has happened not only did he rise from the grave, but he ascends back to the Father. We see this in the Bible. He sits at the Father's right hand. The Word of God even teaches he ever lives to make intercession for us. Even today, Jesus is there. John, you blew it. Satan says, 
Jesus says, Father, I died for that man. I, my blood covers his sin. He is able, he is worthy because of me. And they went out and preached everywhere. It wasn't just here or there. Everywhere they went out and preached while the Lord worked with them. Notice who is in the ministry. They're not alone. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, I will be with you always, even at the end of the world. You will not walk alone. When I send you, I will be there with you. I will be there to comfort, to guide, to enable, to equip, to give you the strength to be what you can be there. But notice when they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. You notice what happened? Truth lived was truth confirmed. They were living the Christian life and the word of God was confirmed where they went. And notice how far they went. They just went out everywhere. You know, it's somewhat overwhelming when you think about how far God takes this group of people right here, how far he scatters us in one week, one month, one year. And where you go, you carry that truth. And you've got the greatest message the world has ever heard or will ever hear. And that is that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended to the Father. And because that stone rolled away from me, it can roll away for you too. And because of that, because I live, Jesus says, you can live. And I want to encourage us this evening as we come to the end of the message to recognize what power we possess, what responsibility we have been given. And yet what a privilege it is to be able to share that message to a world that needs it so desperately, right here in Surprise, Arizona. The neighbor next door, the person on the street, we have that privilege to share that message. May God give us that grace to be those men and women that will say, Lord, I've heard the message. I've seen the message. I've read the message. I've been taught the message. Now, Father, I want that message to go through me to others wherever you want me to go. And I have confidence by the word of God that you'll be with me and you'll never leave me and forsake me. And yet, for anyone here that has heard that message for the first time this evening, don't walk out these doors without surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ. Just to say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want the risen living Lord in this tomb of a heart that the word of God teaches is so hard and so vile without the touch of Jesus. I want that Lord. And I want you to come tonight. And if that is you, as we come to the end of this service, our worship team will be up here. There'll be those up here praying. If that's you, this is the night to make that decision. Don't walk out those doors. You've seen the empty tomb. Just like Mary, just like Salome, 
Just like the disciples, don't walk out the door. Let God speak today. And for the rest of us, I would, let's go where God calls us to go. You see, I didn't choose this place. Frankly, I didn't want this place. God said go. He said it a thousand ways. When God says go, go where God asks you to go and be everything you can for him. And he will be with you and he will be there to the end of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that your word is alive, it is living. You ever live to make intercession for us. You never forsake us. Lord, thank you for dear women who came there to the tomb, believe me. I thank you, Lord, that you <coughs> remember the Peters because we also have been Peters. And you have remembered us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have remembered those disciples that just said, no, I will not believe because the fear that had gripped their heart. And finally, the time came, Lord, that they said yes, because that's what made the difference to bring Christianity to us here tonight. Because someone said yes a long time ago. And oh Lord, I thank you that tonight, as you are speaking to us, that our hearts can again say, yes, Lord, we will do what you want us to do. We will go what you want, where you want us to go. You choose, the, you choose the, the mission field. You give us the power and help us to go. And Lord, for that one person here tonight that has said, I am at that tomb and my heart has been hard. The stone hasn't been rolled away. Lord, help them to see that you've rolled away the stone. And all they need to do is come and surrender. And you will be with them and guide them even unto the end of the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.